Grant, O Lord, that thy word only may be spoken, and thy word only may be received. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. There's an old joke that's been around for a while now. Um, It's usually a cartoon showing a picture of a priest or minister in his study anxiously looking out the window at a man standing in the courtyard. As the priest is looking at the man, we can also see him talking on the phone to a bishop. And the caption usually goes something like this. Bishop, you're never going to believe this. Jesus Christ himself is standing in the courtyard of my parish. What do I do? The bishop replies, you'd better look busy. This morning, we hear a gospel passage that makes that joke seem a bit far-fetched. Why should we think that an ordinary parish priest would be able to recognize Jesus standing in his courtyard when two of the disciples of Jesus cannot recognize Jesus when they are walking on the road with him? While these two disciples were not of the eleven, were not apostles, they were most likely members of the seventy that followed Jesus around during his public ministry. And some of the earliest writings about the disciples on the road to Emmaus held as factual, held as truth, that Cleopas, mentioned by name in the narrative this morning, was actually the brother of Joseph, Joseph, Mary's husband. And that the other disciple was Cleopas's son, Simon, the second bishop of Jerusalem after James. So, if you can even give the testimony of the early church fathers a shred of credibility, Cleopas was Jesus' uncle, Uncle Cleo, and Simon was Jesus' cousin. So then, not only did these two close followers of Jesus not recognize him, Jesus' own uncle and Jesus' own cousin did not recognize him on the road to Emmaus that day. This passage can be troubling for some. For others, it raises questions. Why couldn't they recognize Jesus? That sounds ridiculous. Why couldn't they recognize, why could they only recognize Jesus after they shared a meal? What does it all mean? Now that's a very good question. What does it all mean? And since most of us only hear this gospel passage read on the third Sunday in Easter and not what is before it or after it. In sequence, it might be helpful to set the stage in order to address the questions. Now, the beginning of the passage we heard this morning starts something like this. That very day, or earlier that day, two of them were going to a village named Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem, and talking with each other about all the things that had happened. That very day, that same day, that refers to Easter Day. So we find, we encounter Cleopas and Simon on Easter day afternoon, the very same day Jesus is resurrected. That can confuse some of us since every year without fail on the second Sunday, last Sunday, we hear about St. Thomas and the the touching of Thomas, Thomas touching Jesus, and that's the next week. So we regressed in time back to Easter day today. Not much time then has passed since the crucifixion. And we find these two men walking to Emmaus from Jerusalem. They had been in Jerusalem for the past week for the Feast of Passover. 
They were in the city for Jesus' triumphal entry. They were there for Palm Sunday. They witnessed Jesus turning over the tables in the temple. They witnessed Jesus challenge the leadership. They witnessed what they were sure was the beginning of the revolution to overthrow the world. These two men also saw Jesus arrested, humiliated, beaten within an inch of his life, and then run out of town and hung on a tree. Imagine for a moment, if you will, the emotional roller coaster that Cleopas and Simon had been on for the last week. A triumphal entry. Children singing Hosanna to the son of David. Palm branches and cloaks spread on the ground. Following the man they were sure would overthrow the Roman and Jewish leadership. They were hyped up with all the commotion. They were ready to go to war with Jesus. Ready to follow Jesus to victory. And then, in the matter of hours... That revolt is quelled. Jesus is taken. All is lost. And what is worse, the man they had followed for the last three years, the man that they had given up everything to follow, the man upon whom they hung all their hopes, the man upon whom they bet it all, the man whom they loved, that man had been murdered, humiliated, and murdered now they were walking home in shock, defeated, in disbelief at all that had happened during this past week. So needless to say, they were probably not in their right minds. They might not have been that observant. They had failed. They had backed a losing side. They were grieving the loss of all their hopes and dreams. But we had hoped Cleopas says that he was the one to redeem Israel. Now, besides being overcome with failure and with grief, these men also, like everyone else in the gospel record, would have never expected Jesus to rise from the dead. For Cleopas and Simon, the idea that Jesus would rise from the dead was inconceivable, impossible. So then, a better question might be, why should they recognized Jesus on the road to Emmaus at all. Now Luke has a different idea. It's not because of their grief that they fail to recognize Jesus. You see very clearly why they should recognize or why they will recognize Jesus. Even though they follow Jesus around and listen to him teach, Luke says their faith was incorrect, was incomplete. And so Jesus spends the majority of the seven-mile walk with Cleopas and Simon three or four hours instructing them on correct belief, completing their faith. In verse 27, we read this, And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, Jesus interpreted to them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. Beginning with Moses and all the prophets, Jesus interpreted, taught them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. So after three or four hours of personal instruction by Jesus, Cleopas and Simon get to Emmaus. They bid Jesus not to keep going, but to stop and stay with him. And that's the line where we get the wonderful 
English hymn, Abide with me, fast falls the eventide. Cleopas and Simon extend hospitality to Jesus. And during the evening meal that night, Jesus breaks and blesses bread and their eyes are opened. They recognize Jesus. They see Jesus. Now we're shown several things in this account. Or Luke assumes or hopes that we will come to understand several things from this story. He's the only one that has it in his gospel. And he uses it to teach us. The first thing he hopes we understand is the importance of a correct and complete faith. Now, although that's not all that popular in our own day and age, we live in a time where having your own personal expression of spirituality with its individual things is seen as trumping all else or being more important than all else, but not to Luke. Luke shows us one very important reason Cleopas and Simon failed to see Jesus. They failed to see God walking among them. That is because their instruction in matters of faith was incomplete or lacking. Their faith was immature until Jesus spent those hours <clears throat> teaching them and correcting what was amiss, what they failed to see. Now to translate that in our own lives, we are shown that we too must learn our faith. That we must study the sacred scriptures and the faith and practice of the church. We must conform our intellect and our conscience to correct belief. Or we risk being blind to Jesus as were Cleopas and Simon. We cannot hope to see and recognize Jesus without having a complete and correct faith. The next thing St. Luke shows us in this passage is a life lesson, if you will. It's not until Cleopas and Simon extend hospitality to Jesus that they are able to see him. They are able to recognize him. It sets the stage for their blindness being gone. Very important lesson. Correct and complete faith forms an essential foundation for the Christian life. You have to have it. For our very salvation, you have to have that faith. But it is not until that faith is put into action, that it becomes faith at all. If Simon and Cleopas had not opened up their home, had not opened up their hearts to Jesus, they might have fully understood the faith, but it would have been useless to them. So St. Luke is telling us that no matter if Jesus himself walks on the road with you and teaches you the faith, if we do not put that faith into action, If we do not extend hospitality and engage in acts of charity, we won't be able to see Jesus standing right in front of us. If we do not give of ourselves to others, we remain blind. Faith without action is dead. Next lesson St. Luke teaches us this morning, beloved, comes in the breaking of bread. It is when Jesus takes bread, blesses it, and breaks it. The men see Jesus for who he is. The men recognize the Christ. Luke is showing us the importance of communing with Jesus, of worship. Now to put this in southern speak, it is when these men go get some religion. It's when the men have them some church that they see and recognize Jesus. Luke is showing us that this is the most important thing we can do. It's essential. You must sit at table with Jesus. You must commune with Jesus if you are to see him. If you do not go to church, do not go to the Holy Eucharist, to Mass, you will miss Jesus. 
Now, finally, brothers and sisters, one more lesson. St. Luke sticks this in whenever he can. Cleopas tells Jesus this as they're walking on the road. Cleopas says, Moreover, some women of our company astounded us. They were at the tomb early in the morning and did not find his body, and they came back saying that they had even seen a vision of angels. It's important to note that the women disciples, specifically the eight women who go to the tomb to prepare Jesus' body, traditionally called the myrrh-bearing women, have no trouble at all believing that Jesus has risen from the dead, have no trouble at all recognizing Jesus. In fact, it is these women who run and tell the rest that Jesus is alive. They are the first witnesses to this truth. Historically, they are called the apostles to the apostles. While the rest of the apostles ran away in fear, while Thomas doubts, while Cleopas and Simon walk home in misery, despair, it is the women who believe. It is the mothers who first give the disciples and followers of Jesus hope. Now, this being Mother's Day, I think that we should thank the mothers in our own lives, in the lives of the church, who are in many ways like the myrrh-bearing women. For our mothers are the ones who teach the little children the faith of the Bible. And if you never have done this, walk downstairs on a Sunday morning and see who is teaching. Look through the history books here. See who has taught the children of this parish since the beginning. Go to any parish. Some mothers who are the ones who make sure the family prayers are said for the most part. The mothers are instrumental in handing down the faith of Jesus Christ. Instrumental in forming the next generation in the Christian faith and practice. If you have witnessed any of the outreach that's done at this parish or any other parish, you'll notice something else. The majority of charity and outreach is done by the mothers. It is they who lead the charge in helping others. It is they who reach out with love and with compassion. It is they who feed the hungry and care for the poor. It is they who teach and show others what it means to have an active faith. It is they who teach the children, teach us what it means to love another. How many of us would be here today not for Mother's Day? How many of us might not ever come to church if not for the persistence of our mothers or our wives? I know if not for my own mother persuading me or making me go to church every Sunday when I was a child, I can't say with any certainty I'd be standing in this pulpit today. I can, however, say with all certainty that if not for my own mother, my faith would not be what it is today. I have her to thank for showing me Jesus. So then, perhaps it's not too far-fetched at all to imagine that the parish priest did in fact see Jesus in the courtyard. Perhaps his own mother taught him a correct and complete faith, showed him and taught him the stories of the Bible, showed him and taught him what it means to love others, instilled in him an active and a lively faith. Perhaps his mother drug him kicking and screaming to church as a child, kicking and screaming until the one day he too saw Jesus in the breaking of the bread. He too learned for himself the importance of all these things St. Luke is telling us. 
So today, my brothers and sisters in Jesus Christ, let us remember and hold up as the most important things in this world, things essential for our salvation, a correct and complete faith, an active faith that extends hospitality and charity to others, and the worship of Almighty God in the Holy Eucharist. And of course, and always, let us give thanks to God Almighty for the mothers of this world who have handed on these essential things since that Easter day so long ago. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.